Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast. I'm Manu Feit, he's Stefan Bienkowski. Usually, Stefan, this would be the bonus show, right? Not available for everyone, but because it's the return of the Bundesliga season, we're going to do things a little bit different this week. And so I think we um, we kind of determined that this show will be available for everyone just to give you know, the non-subscribers, a little bit of a taste of an extra podcast and what that is like and maybe entice some people to maybe sign up for the newsletter. But first of all, how's it going? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, yeah, we, you know, we, we kind of did a big preview in the first half of the top half of the table at the start of the week. And I think if we tried to squeeze it all into one episode, it would have ended up being about two hours long. So it makes sense to do the bottom half separately, give these teams their due. Yeah, rather than kind of just rushing over them at the end of an episode. So, yeah, hopefully people appreciate it. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, if you haven't listened to the first half of it yet, um, that was basically our um, predictions for the championship, our predictions for the European spaces. And, and um, we've kind of already hinted a little bit about, you know, teams that could maybe um, break into the top half um, of the, the the Bundesliga, right? And, you know, basically, I think where we cut it off was just after Mainz, but even with Mainz, I think we were a little bit on the fence, right, Stefan? Um, whether we should allocate them to the, the, the top or not. Um, so the top was essentially Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig, Union Berlin, Freiburg, Leverkusen, Frankfurt, Wolfsburg, and then maybe Mainz. Um, and everyone below that, we kind of, you know, we're going to cover a little bit um, today, including the teams that we maybe think could break into the top. But yeah, I, I guess um, this is a really good way to start. When you look at the teams, and I mean, Mainz is one of those sitting on the fence teams. Um, what's your thought here about who could maybe surprise us this year? I had Stuttgart on the list. Um I have some questions about them now that were, you know, the fact that they're losing their captain, Wataru Andu, um, essentially what happens in one week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what exactly? I mean, no one could see that coming, uh, in fairness, that Wataru Andu, a 30 year old, uh, Japanese national team player would go to Liverpool. Um, you know, Liverpool basically striking out on every single other one of their midfield targets. Um, although there is still a chance, I guess, that Endo could end up at Chelsea after all. That seems to be the common course. Liverpool identify a target. Um, they come to an agreement with the club and the player and then Chelsea come around the corner and take the player. Um, <laughs> if I was Liverpool, I would check whether the Chelsea has tapped up their scouting uh, their scouting, um, you know, department and is, is essentially has a Trojan horse in their computers to ensure that they're they get all the information from all these players uh, because it's been a little bit ridiculous. But 
I had Stuttgart on that list. I think that it's a tidy piece of business. Um, Kickers reporting that with add-ons, the fee is around 25 million euros. I think the initial fee is 19. Uh, the, his market value on transfer market is 6.5 million. Um, Stefan, that's a, that's a lot of money for a club like Stuttgart, but it's also on the eve of a Bundesliga campaign in which they would have heavily relied on him. So I guess, do we take them out now out of that list? And are we even maybe worried that they could be even in bigger trouble if uh, Borna Sosa and Mafopanos leave as well? Uh, yeah, it's it's really tough to tell. I mean, going into this season, I did kind of have the impression, I guess I still kind of do, that you kind of look at the way the Stuttgart played under Hones in the second half of the season, how they played in that playoff game. Um, I think it's probably fair to assume that they kind of will trend upwards. You know, they've Obviously, still got a decent squad. Uh, they've also got a very impressive young head coach. And for mo- much of the summer, um, they've actually managed to really avoid kind of selling too many star players. You know, if anything, they haven't sold any. Only one of notes, really, Florian Muller, obviously moving on to Freiburg. But, you know, obviously, I think Stuttgart will get by on that. And, you know, I think even though it looks like Endo is going to move on, um, and, you know, I think Hones has said, today they recorded and he actually said his press conference that you know he's simply irreplaceable um i think if you're to ask stuttgart fans you know to look at the players that they've sold today and you know if that was all that was sold would they would they be okay with that i think most of them would say yeah that's absolutely fine because i think a lot of people were expecting a lot worse it still could happen of course you know there's still about 13 days of the window left um we could see Borna Sosa move on. We could see, um, yeah, um, what's his name? Mavropano. Sorry, lost, forgot my name there. Um, as well as others, I suppose. But so far, nothing's really happened there. Nothing really solid. So I guess we have to wait and see. But even despite that, um, I still think Stuttgart are obviously going to do much better than they did last season. Um, I'm not sure I'm as optimistic as you were, because I think you were talking about them maybe pushing for European places or something. Um, but I think they can make the step up from relegation fodder to, you know, ninth or tenth place. Um, and obviously, if they do lose Sosa and Mavropanos as well as Endo, then, you know, there's maybe some serious question marks as to where this team's, what this team is capable of. But I think for now, they still have more enough talent and to kind of definitely make the step up to mid-table safety next this this season yeah i think it, in losing endo is a big deal um and for any liverpool fan listening here um i i do when i first heard this i thought this was a little crazy but he is a, he is a good player um i don't think he is necessarily uh, as good as caicedo or lavia or um some of the other players that they have been linked to but um, I think he, he he's a solid player that that will add um, some depth to the team. And you know the the one thing, and this is I think this is what Stuttgart that's what's going to hurt Stuttgart the most is his leadership skills. He's a captain for Japan. He's the captain for the Stuttgart side. Um, I had the opportunity to speak to Mario Gomez. I had of the DFB DFL Super Cup on Saturday, um, and Gomez is of course his former teammate, right? Um, and at Stuttgart and you know he pointed out how important of a leadership figure he is and um, his calmness um, when it comes to leading a team um, is something that struck him um, as I think has six children Stefan and it doesn't face him at all which is 
that's quite a skill. <laughs> and so, you know, I think um, I think that is what's going to hurt Stuttgart the most. It's it's maybe the off-field stuff. Um, I think that when you look at this underlying stats, they're really good, by the way, but like they're not the best in the Bundesliga and they're not even the best for a Stuttgart player. But sometimes it's like, it's the off-field stuff that really helps, right? And I think that is going to be the one that's going to hurt them the most. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, what they're going to do with that money and maybe even more money if they get it for um, for Sosa and Mafopanos. And of course, at this stage of the Bundesliga campaign, um, that that's very, that's very, very tricky um, to do. So yeah, maybe I've revised my, my expectations on Stuttgart a little bit. Um, but if you look at this table, what's your thoughts on some of these other teams? Um, do you have anyone in mind? I do. Um, there's one club in particular. There's a, there's there's maybe two others that I think could surprise people. But one club in particular, I'm expecting a lot more from this this season. Are actually Gladbach. Um, you know, like Stuttgart, they've managed to bring in a really impressive head coach and Gerard Siona. Um, like Stuttgart as well, so far they haven't really seen too many big players move on. Well, that's not true. They've seen quite a lot of big players move on in the sense of, you know, Marcus Turam, Ben Zabaini, Lars Stendhal's been sold. Uh, sorry, has um, uh, left on a free transfer. Um, but those were players that we already knew were leaving. You know, Gladbach kind of made their peace for them a long time ago, particularly Marcus Turam, perhaps. But, you know, aside from maybe Jonas Hoffman, who was a bit of a surprise there hasn't really been a kind of summer clear out or, you know, they haven't had to sell a number of young players or anything like that, really. Um, again, Jordan Byers obviously moved on to Burnley, but he's another one that was kind of, um, you know, in the works for a long time. And I think they've done a decent job of kind of bringing in players to replace them. Um, they brought in that young Sparta Prague striker. I can't remember how we agreed to pronounce his name. I'm going to say that. Shvanchara, yes, who I think at least one of our subscribers was extremely excited about. We do have one Gladbach listener who, really sorry, I've completely forgotten your name, I apologise. Um, and they brought in Honora as well from Ligue 1. Julian Vigos had his contract uh, made permanent. Um, and and I think when we did a podcast on them, I actually kind of um, highlighted as well Robin Hack, who they brought in from Bielefeld, who is really good in the kind of second division. So you know, you put that together with the fact that got Gerard uh, Gerardo Siona, who, you know, we talked a lot about after he left Leverkusen and the manner in which he left Leverkusen, the fact that they were quite upset that he eventually had to kind of cut him loose because everyone at the club really rated him. And I think there was a sense that everyone kind of agreed that whoever could pick him up next was probably onto a winner. And, you know, if he can kind of work his magic at Gladbach, there's, the squad is there to easily make the push into the top half I think um, really no reason in my opinion why they can't be up there kind of rubbing shoulders with the likes of Frankfurt or Leverkusen or Wolfsburg the Mainz's whoever you want um, so yeah I think I think they're the main contenders from last season's bottom half who'll be up there pushing in the top half they've also started to get linked with um so Jordan Sibachu or Jordan Pifok, whichever one you prefer, the American uh, US striker, right, to add a, another body. And that's because Union Berlin have added yet another player <laughs> in Kevin Folland. Um So there is an extra roster spot there. And, um, you know, I, I, I think actually personally, I think if Gladbach can add 
um, Zibachu or Pfog or just Jordan, whichever one you prefer. Um, I think that'd be a really good addition for them because in the past they've always played with them with more than one cent uh, center forward, right? And and having that depth, I think, would really help them. And um, Jordan had a really good start with Union Berlin, and then kind of didn't quite work out so well in the second half of the season. So I think that maybe if he can stay in the Bundesliga with a different club, that could really help him. So I, I agree with you. I think Gladbach is a really, really interesting interesting club to watch. And they're this sort of team that kind of does better when they're not involved in any European football. They haven't been last year, of course, either. But, um, you know, it is, it is, I think, a club that has done a lot of things right. Um, and as you mentioned on in the special on them, um, is a club that maybe we should keep an eye on. Um, you know, another one I think that has been really interesting is Hoffenheim, Stefan. Um, and Attila Salai, they brought in a really exciting center forward who has been been linked to various different Bundesliga clubs until, you know, essentially uh, Hoffenheim was the one that got it done. They brought in Wout Weghorst um, as well on loan initially, right? Which is, you can be a fan of Wout Weghorst or not. He's a, he's a an interesting character. Let's just leave it at that. Um, but he will score 15 to 20 goals in a Bundesliga campaign. You know. can, I, can I actually jump in here briefly, Mario? Because Hoffenheim were actually another one of the clubs that I said might surprise few, a few people this season. Uh, you know, they've also got Pellegrino Matarazzo, who kind of stepped into role last year, who... I think we both rate as a good Bundesliga head coach but the signing that I'm actually really intrigued by is that they've picked up Florian Grilich again who obviously left the club to go to Ajax didn't quite work out for him there a weird move in the first place I kind of think I feel like he you know his his choice to move to, to Ajax was one of those ones where you do see in football quite a lot where you know they've made a really big reputation for themselves at you know, a smaller club in a top league. They've done all they probably think they can do, which I think Grealish probably thought he had done at Hoffenheim. But then when it came time to move on, he was maybe quite surprised at the lack of options he had uh, and the lack of bidders. Um, could maybe make the argument that something similar has happened to Canada uh, this summer. Um, and he's just decided, he's like, oh, well, you know, I gave it a shot. It didn't work out. Back to Hoffenheim I go. And... He's only 28. You know, he's still a really, really good player. And if Hoffenheim can get him playing like he did for them before he left, then that's a great signing. It's a really, really great signing. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you pointed that out because he can play so many different positions, right? Um, whether it's midfield. He's played forward as well, which is super interesting. But yeah, I really like like him as a player. The the one thing that we have to keep an eye on, the um, Stuttgart might lose Angelo Stiller now to uh, sorry, Hoffenheim might lose Angelo Stiller to Stuttgart. Because Stuttgart have targeted him as the Endo replacement. But they are a team I don't know. I just think that they underperformed last year as well. And then of course with Pellegrino Matarazzo now in charge. Um I think both of us pointed out at the time when he did take over. That he's the he's the perfect coach for them um, in so many ways, but mostly because he also knows the club, right? But I, I Hoffenheim is going to be really interesting for me this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have probably one other club to maybe throw into the mix here. Um, uh, if if we're still kind of talking about the kind of aspirational top, uh, maybe top half clubs, 
Um, and that's Werder Bremen. Um, was that something you were going to mention as well? <laughs> um, I kind of found myself being quite drawn to Bremen this summer. Um, you know, I did a, I did a newsletter on Navi Keita moving to the club. Um, obviously, it was actually right after he picked up an injury. And, you know, people kind of talk about, um, you know, a typical case, how he's picked up an injury, blah, blah, blah. And it was about, it was kind of, it was like kind of defending the player to the extent, but also kind of making the point that he maybe needs Bremen as much as, well, maybe not a heat, as much as they need him, but him moving to Bremen is actually quite a good example of how the club have kind of built their squad recently, where they do have a lot of kind of journeymen or former stars who have kind of got one last kind of gig in them. Um and I don't know, I'm just quite impressed with his squad. I think there's a lot of players in there. I think the fact that Fulkrug's now sticking around, uh, unless something very dramatic happens, uh, is a huge bonus for them. I know they lost a Pokal game um, against Victoria Colne, which is a, you know, obviously a huge kind of loss for them. But I don't know, I think, you know, we saw them kind of really kind of fire ahead at the start of last season with this kind of really fun attacking football. And... I've not really seen anything to suggest that they can do the same this season, but perhaps with a little more experience, a little more consistency. Um, obviously, the full Krug's kind of rise to stardom kind of it, it it did kind of rock the boat a wee bit and kind of you know cause an issue for them. Um, I'm also quite impressed to see how Kovnaki, the striker they picked up from Dusseldorf, does because he's another kind of lower league journeyman, if you will, um, who probably has to prove himself in the Bundesliga this season, but could end up being a smart signing for them. So, yeah, I don't know. I think Oli Werner's got a decent squad there. Um, and, yeah, let's be honest, Bremen deserved to be in the top half of the table. Yeah, no, I thought uh, David Kronatsky is is an interesting signing for sure. And I think the fact that they were able to hold on for, to Fulco for now um, is quite a success for them. I think they still need to do a few things, though. To, to strengthen the side a little bit. Um, unfortunately, we don't know how long Keita is going to be out, right? Which is a shame because I would have loved to see him um, sooner rather than later. And I think it's... I think Werder Bremen is a team... When, when Werder Bremen do well, the Bundesliga is a better place. I've always felt that. And, um, you know, they are a team that kind of rocked the board in the beginning of the season last year. Um, the Pokal result, of course, unfortunate uh, against Victoria Köln. Um, having said that, it's not like that they were kicked off by a fourth division team, right? Um, you know, Victoria Köln is a third division team, and the the third and the second division teams in the first round of the Pokal have the massive advantage that they are already three or four games into the season, right? So there is that always that opportunity to um, get an upset against a Bundesliga team. Um, I think personally that's by design <laughs> to give those teams an advantage, which is fair enough. The budgets are so different, right? Um, you know, we, we give Victoria Köln a market value of 4.85 million, Werder Bremen are at 100 million, um, and I bet you the salary budgets are about, you know, a different magnitude, this similar magnitude and difference. So that's fair enough, but um, I'm pretty sure that Bremen are, are going to be in a much better place um, come the first match day, and you know, they, they're getting the first big obstacle right away. Bayern Munich at home, Harry Kane's Bundesliga debut. Um, that can be both good and bad, 
I think, for them, right? We're going to do the prediction show, of course, later on. But Stefan, I think getting that game out of the way right away and God forbid if they win that or draw, that is like possibly the best way to start into a season. But even if you lose, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I think that game's. It may even be a perfect game for them in the sense that they can go into it with absolutely no pressure. Um, they know that it doesn't really matter what they do in the day. Everyone's going to be watching Harry Kane. So, um, I mean, yeah, they obviously have to. Well, they'll have to make sure they can actually pick up points, or else they could easily get dragged into a kind of relegation race. But no, I think um, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see how Bremen do, and obviously, if Kate once Kate comes back, if he can kind of turn it back on because. Even if he's half the player he was at Leipzig, he'd be a great player for them. Yeah. So we mentioned Stuttgart, Bremen, Gladbach, uh, Hoffenheim. So that's four teams out of the bottom half, right? Um, I assume we think those teams are not automatic relegation candidates. And that leaves us with Heidenheim, Darmstadt, Augsburg, Bochum, and Köln. Are we taking Köln out of that? Or are we keeping Köln in that? Um, I, is this a season where we have to worry about SF to Köln, Stefan? I'm not entirely sure, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you know, if you kind of look at the way that Cologne finished the season, or at least ha the second half of the season, I think they did quite well. And then, look, this is kind of how things do how they seem to do things at Cologne. They either, they either go on great runs of form or they're on terrible runs of form. Um, and they're either kind of pushing for Europe or they're fighting for relegation. I guess it just depends what season um, you kind of want to judge it on. But I kind of feel like on the whole, they've done a good job of just kind of, you know, not a huge kind of turnover of players as far as I can tell. Um, I guess maybe Scary to Frank first one that maybe stands out. But besides that, it's not a huge amount. Probably picked up some players as well. Um I'm not really worried about them. You know, Baumgart and Cologne have, have, have almost all but basically kind of, you know, established themselves as a kind of a, a settled Bundesliga side, if you will. This is them that are going into what, their fifth season, I think, in the top flight, that third one under Baumgart. Um, and yeah, I don't know. They, 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 they undoubtedly have kind of big waves of good form and bad form. Um, but I think they finished seventh first year, 11th uh, last year, and I think that kind of spot, you know, between kind of maybe 11th and 14th is probably what we expect from Cologne this season. I might be wrong, but essentially they haven't done anything to kind of make me think they'll do better, but they also haven't done anything to make me think they'll do worse. Yeah. I kind of feel the same about them. I, I'm just looking through the squad and um... You know, you see that Farad Aladu is is maybe still arriving from uh, Faride Aladu is arriving from Frankfurt. Um, the two clubs come to an agreement today. Um, this is with a buyback option. Aladu, of course, one of the more talented uh, players in uh, in German football, but you know hasn't really gotten on in Frankfurt after signing there from HSV. Um, but you know, Köln is. I guess we can kind of take Köln out out of that equation. Um, of course, big caveat, Stefan. There's always a team that that gets um, sucked into the relegation battle every year that we don't think is supposed to be there, um, right? So I I think all the teams that we mentioned, they could maybe surprise 
in the top half of the camp of the Bundesliga table, but they could also very well get dragged into the relegation battle. I mean, yeah, this absolutely. is how it is every year, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I guess if you kind of, I mean, the thing is, you kind of say, well, I've got nothing really that makes me concerned for a clone. But if you actually look at the clubs around them, a lot of them have actually been doing a lot of good business. And I know Augsburg are kind of the perennial strugglers in the uh, Bundesliga. And, uh, you know, they, some on this podcast may, may wish for them to go down most seasons, but I've actually been really impressed with the kind of players that they've picked up this summer, um, particularly you know, uh, in regards to kind of Darmstadt in particular. They've obviously picked up Philip, uh, Philip Tietz as well, who's central forward, who's had 12 goals and five assists in the Swai Bundesliga last year. Um, sorry, and then 15 and nine the year before that. I think he's going to be a really impressive signing. Um, Patrick Pfeiffer as well, the centre back from Darmstadt. They've picked up Sven Michael from Union Berlin. Um, Berisha from uh, Fenerbahce as well, the other central forward. So, and I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if we are to kind of maybe move segue slightly to Augsburg, you know, they've also moved on Ricardo Pepe, who was just kind of fiasco circus act in the background that maybe took a little too much or maybe applied a little too much media attention on the club. The fact that that kind of whole debacle's gone and you can tell that Augsburg have kind of spent the summer kind of recruiting a lot of interesting players from the lower leagues and Fenerbahce, oddly enough. Um, I don't know. I think I think you could probably argue that they've probably been far busier than Cologne and if I was a Cologne fan, I may be kind of looking over my shoulder. They're thinking, if Augsburg have a good season, we might be in trouble. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Augsburg is always so hard to judge. Um, Enrico Maaßen is a good coach. But, you know, um, I've been saying every year since they got promoted 30 years ago that this is the year that they're going down. Um, maybe it's lucky 13 or unlucky 13 for them. <laughs> but... Um, I have two clear relegation candidates and I, I, you know, and then we can debate um, all day long about who's going to be um, going to be in that 16th spot to play the playoffs. Um, but I don't really see Augsburg as a clear relegation candidate this year. Um, you know, I think their squad is too strong. I think that they have addressed the issues and I think that Enrico Marcel is too good of a manager. Yeah. I think just the fact that they're able to kind of recoup some money for Pepe, they got 11 million euros. They're obviously able to get Barisha over the line in terms of a permanent deal because obviously he was at the club last season as well. Um, and just if you kind of look through their transfer activity, they've spent maybe a good like five, six, seven million euros just bringing in depth, you know, decent players from the second division, um, but perhaps more than anything else, some depth. And um, yeah, I think it can actually do them quite well because. You know, not only is it going to improve them, but it could also weaken one of the teams we're about to talk about who probably really struggled to stay up this season. Yeah. Yeah, before we do that, I, I want to point out that Broden Finn Dahman as well was a goalkeeper I really like. Um, you know, um, one of the, the young up-and-coming goalkeepers and um, him and Altobolu, I think, are two German goalkeepers. Altobolu is, of course, the the new number one at Freiburg, right? Um, we have to see how he gets on. He's only 18, but still... He and uh, Finn Darman are two goalkeepers I really like and really curious to see how they get on. But you're right, they they, they did their best to uh, weaken poor Darmstadt. <laughs> They're like, you're coming up and 
we're going to make sure that we're going to take all your best players. They took Philip Tietz and um, Pfeiffer, who of course was sent off with a red card in the in the German Cup against Unterhaching. Um, and Unterhaching managed to actually kick them out in the Bavarian derby. Um, you know, very, the derby of the suburbs, Stefan, of the Munich suburbs. Let's mention this name and <laughs> Although one of them is actually a proper suburb of Kuning, and that's of course Unterhaching. Um, it's a short S-Bahn ride from the city center. Um, and they got kicked out by Unterhaching in the first round. Um, again, you know, this is the the third division team. Um, and we have to keep this in mind again that they have a leg up in that first round because they are already pretty much mid-season. Um, but, you know, um, Darmstadt, this, this transition to Darmstadt, they lose two of their players, Philipp Tietz and Patrick Pfeiffer, to Augsburg, um, which I think is two really good pickups. Thorsten Lieberknecht is the coach at Darmstadt. Darmstadt, and, unlike last time when they played up in the first division, now at the completely renovated Merkstadion am Böllernfalltor. It's a beautiful facility, you know, Stefan. I mean, the old stadium had its charm, but it was very third division. Let's, let's say it that way. Um, but of the two teams that have come up, I do worry about Darmstadt maybe a little bit more than I worry about Heidenheim. Because Heidenheim and Frank Schmidt never count them out. Right, they have done. They, Schmidt has been is one of the best coaches in German football, maybe even. He's just never really been anywhere else. But Darmstadt, I don't know. Have they done enough to survive in this league? Yeah, it's going to be really tough for them. I actually think it's going to be really tough for both of these teams. Um, you know, I do kind of worry. Darmstadt obviously lost that Pokal clash to Homburg, and and look. Uh, 3-0 and like we talked about bigger clubs who lost Pokal uh, games so that's undoubtedly not the be all and end all but I think if you kind of look at Darmstadt's kind of pre-season friendlies as well uh, the fact that they've kind of lost key players that we mentioned a moment ago um, it they just kind of strike me as a very naive team um, coming into this league without a huge amount of kind of experience without a huge amount of kind of talent maybe in that squad and I, I can't help but feel, um, you know, they're they're going to really struggle here, and the same goes for Heidenheim actually as well. Who, you know, it's it's a nice kind of fairy tale story, um, but you know when we talked about the kind of Swipe Bundesliga preview which we did a few weeks ago for for our subscribers, we did touch on Darmstadt and Heidenheim, and there definitely was a growing sense that, yeah, it was great that they got promoted, but they're not, you know, they're not a Werder Bremen. Um, they're not an Union Berlin or whatever you want to call it you know they're not yeah yeah or Bochum or whatever who managed to stay up um, who we haven't even talked about yeah I do want to talk about Bochum before we wrap things up but um, yeah I guess I mean we're about to do our predictions at the end of the show maybe I'm kind of spawning a bit but I, I think Darmstadt and Heidenheim are going to really struggle this season yeah I I agree with you fully and um, without giving away too much of my predictions, I think we both have the same two teams at the very bottom. But I do think that Heidenheim can surprise a bit more than Darmstadt. Um, I think it's a more organically grown team and it's a team that under Frank Schmidt has knocked on the Bundesliga door for like, like the like last three or four years before finally making that next step. So those teams tend to surprise a bit more once they do get into the Bundesliga because they seem to be more coherent, right? Um, 
And I do think that is something that they have going for them. Um, whether that is enough to survive is a completely different question. Um, I think what helps them is they didn't really lose any of their best players to other Bundesliga teams, which of course also then begs the question is why did other Bundesliga, why did other Bundesliga teams not rate them like Augsburg did with Darmstadt, right? Does that mean those players are not good enough? I mean, this is, this is a question that you have to ask. Um, but I am curious to see what Frank Schmidt can do in the Bundesliga as a head coach. Um, and I do wonder whether he can play the sort of football that he's played in the second division in the Bundesliga as well without getting completely overwhelmed um, you know, by these more talented, financially richer teams. And I think that is maybe something to keep an eye on, right? Um, Heidenheim do go up as the second Bundesliga champions. Um, you get a trophy for that now, which I think you shouldn't get tro give trophies to teams that win second divisions, but that's just me. Um, but, you know, they are the second division champions and um, it's it's going to be interesting to finally see them, see them there. But yeah, you wanted to talk about Bochum. I think Bochum is interesting, but why exactly do you want to talk about Bochum? Well, I mean... For a start, we have to because of the last team. Uh, but also, <clears throat> I think, you know, alongside Schalke, they were just so remarkably resilient in the second half of the season. Um, you know, particularly like in the last nine or ten games. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see if they can continue with, continue that with Thomas Lech, the head coach. Um or if it's kind of going to, you know, obviously if, if, if the winters came out of the sales over the preseason, you know, because they have picked up some decent players. Uh, the one that really stands out to me is Moritz, Moritz Brony Karting, who they've picked up from uh, Magdeburg, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he did really well in his five wins last year. He got 10 goals and three assists in 29 games from, you know, almost like a kind of either from the wing or from attacking midfield. Um, They've picked up some other decent players as well. They've picked up Matis Bero from Vitiz in uh, Holland, who um, also kind of had a decent run of kind of goals and assists, actually, in Eredivisie as a central midfielder. Um, he's also a player who can play almost quite literally anywhere. If you kind of look at his career, he's played right back, left wing, up front, right wing, centre back, or sorry, central midfield, centre defensive midfield at number 10. Um, the only positions he hasn't played are goalkeeper, central defence and left back. Um, so he'll be a really interesting to see how he gets on. Um, and, you know, so I guess I'm just intrigued by them because if I look at his squads right now, I think Bochum are probably the most likely team to take that 16th spot. But it all depends on what they kind of took away from that, that kind of run at the end of last season. If that was just them fighting for their lives on a sinking ship um, and it wasn't a case of them growing and learning how to play properly and the head coach getting more out of certain players, then they might find themselves in the same situation this, this season. Um, but, you know, you never know with Bochum. They can certainly surprise. They've obviously got a very, very kind of, you know, passionate home support, which does do them a lot of favours over the course of a season. So... Um, you can't really count them out, which is why I've got them in 16th, because I'm not saying they're going to relegate them, I'm saying they're going to end up in the playoffs, perhaps. And like I said, I think it's between them, Augsburg, and maybe Cologne for that spot. 
um, considering the clubs have kind of improved around them. But um, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens this season. Yeah, I, I, uh, Oxford, uh, sorry, Bochum is a tricky one. Of course, they lost their first the the people call round game as well, right? In this case, against Arminia Bielefeld, who are now in the third division. Crazy enough, um, it shows you how quick it can go if you if you get relegated. Um, but yeah, they are just one of those teams that work so incredibly hard. And you know, Stefan, one thing that I need to do before they do get relegated, if they get relegated, of course, I need to finally do a game in Bochum. Um, it looks like a ton of fun. It's a stadium in the Bundesliga that I'm still missing, so maybe this is the season to finally do it. But um, you know. I do agree with you with the issues that that you see there. Um, Kvarteng looks like a good pickup in honest in all honesty. Um, another one that I want to point out is Maximilian Wittek. It's an eight, former 1860 youth academy prospect who did actually quite well at the uh, youth level in the, with the German national team and never really quite had a breakthrough. So curious to see how he actually gets on in the Bundesliga after spending some time in the Netherlands. And then there's Felix Passlack. Um, remember when Pastak was considered the next Mario Götzen, it just never really happened for him um, at Dortmund and he finally, you know he's still only 25, there is still time to salvage a Bundesliga career here and I think it's really interesting that he picked Bochum as the club to do it because I do think he has the talent to play there um, I think he just needs to give, be given the opportunity and it's going to be interesting to see whether he's going to get it there Um so, you know, there is stuff there at Bochum that I like, but then it's also, you know, Bochum, throughout the existence of that club, I think they've maybe made it to Europe once or twice on the back of a really good run, right? Uh, once under Peter Neuruger. But for the most part, they are a team that are fighting relegation, and I think that's where I see them this year as well. Um, so with that in mind, should we do our predictions? Um, even though we've kind of already given them away. <laughs> yeah, I suppose we can. I suppose we can just kind of ratify them before we wrap yeah, up the episode. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think we both in total agreement on that. I think Heidenheim and Darmstadt are the two teams that are going to go straight back down. Um, even though I do think that Heidenheim might have, might be the more likely of the two to surprise. Um, Having said that, Darmstadt, the last time they were in the Bundesliga, they didn't go straight down the first year either. They actually survived for an extra year, right? So we have seen this um, this happening in, in the past. Um, as for 16th place, whew, this is a tricky one. I do know that there's always a big team that slides into that. Um, but I actually think this year it's going to be Bochum, Stefan. They're... Well, thanks for just stealing my entire predictions there. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I actually have to agree with you. I mean, I know it's maybe entirely predictable, maybe not fair, but look, Darmstadt and Heidenheim are in this league to prove people wrong. You know, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be foolish of us to say, let's hype them up and say they're going to finish eighth or ninth. You know, it's up to them to kind of prove that they deserve to be in this division. Um, and... It's up to the likes of Bochum and Mainz and maybe not Mainz, but Augsburg and Cologne to kind of prove that they deserve to be in it too. So I think it's going to be very tight between 16th to maybe 13th. Um, but as things currently stand, I think Darmstadt and Heidenheim will probably both be in the bottom too. Inevitably, one of them is probably going to um, show us up. But 
yeah, at this moment in time, I've got Darmstadt and Heidenheim to go down in the automatic spots. Yeah, and I also have Bochum in the playoff spot. But I think it's going to be very close between maybe them and, and Augsburg, I'd say. Yeah, Augsburg is my other natural candidate. But listen, guys, let us know what you think. Um, the listeners, let us know when below in the comment sections below who do you think is going to go down and who's going to finish 16th. Really curious to hear what everyone else thinks in this. And so, yeah, show us your predictions. Um, I think that is probably a good way to wrap this up, Stefan, right? Cool. So we'll be back later this week with the first preview show of the season. Uh, enjoy it. This is, I think this is going to be just as much fun as last year. Um, I think I expect total chaos, um, both at the top and the bottom. I expect both me and Stefan to be completely wrong because this is how the Bundesliga works. Um, and yeah, poke us with, with the fact that we probably got this wrong. Or if we didn't, well, you can ignore it. That's usually what I do if I get it wrong. So um, <laughs> we'll be back soon with more content. Until then, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.